What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, June 6th, 2022. It's episode 118 of the show, Belmont Stakes Week. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also watch along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 117 prior And however you listen, please rate, review, and subscribe. We want those subscriptions up. We want those those numbers up, baby. Pump them up, pump them up. And you know what? Thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever it may be. Just some sort of reaction to a show. We like that. Helps us with our friends who help out with the advertising. Just the more data, the better. So please rate, review, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, make sure the bell icon's lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Don't forget, Thursday, 4 o'clock Eastern, Horse Player Happy Hour, week number two. We got things going again last week. Myself, PTF, we'll be doing it again this week and every Thursday going forward. Maybe some little slight changes here and there as we go forward scheduling-wise. But this week, both of us knocking it out, looking at some racing. And you better believe we'll be looking forward to Saturday at Belmont Park. Belmont Stakes Day, fantastic day of racing, grade 1's galore. It's a Breeders' Cup in June, basically. From a broadcast standpoint, 3 to 5 on CNBC, 5 to 7 on NBC, culminating with the third leg of the American Triple Crown. Very much looking forward to it. Should be a good one. I'll be in studio for NBC. I will not be at Belmont Park on Saturday. Looking forward to it. It should be a good one. And that's what today's show is all about. It's going to be looking at the Belmont Stakes as far as Monday is concerned. Now, things could change. The post draw happens on Tuesday. There could be defections, but as of now, there are eight horses. Ethereal Road will not go. Howling Time will not go. Looks like a field of eight going a mile and a half at Belmont on Saturday. I think it's a really intriguing race. When I first looked at it, I said, hmm, a little bit underwhelming. But purely from a handicapping standpoint, I think it's a fantastic puzzle to try to put together. Pace dynamic figs, who's going to be positioned where. lot to digest. Going to go over each individual runner, taking a look at some past performances. I've marked up some stuff on my iPad. We'll go over all eight runners in this year's Belmont Stakes. But first things first, before we get to that, we've got to pay some bills. Remember we talked about our friends, the advertisers? Here are some of them. We'll start with Breeders' Cup. Be sure to check out the three upcoming Breeders' Cup Challenge Series win in your in races from Belmont Park on Saturday, June 11th. Live coverage starts at 5 Eastern on NBC for the Hillendale Metropolitan Handicap, also known as the Met Mile, the Ogden Phipps, and the Jiper. Winners will receive an automatic spot in the starting gate for the Big Ass Fans Dirt Mile, the Longines Distaff, and the Turf Sprint, respectively. We look forward to highlighting these Breeders' Cup Challenge Series races across the In The Money Media Network. And again, I'll be on the broadcast so we can hopefully give you a couple winners. Oh, I mean, look, it can't be any worse than the Preakness was. <laughs> let's hope let's hope Saturday is a little more lucrative as far as my pocket is concerned. Our friends from Betmakers. Fixed odds betting powered by Betmakers is back and in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic with 70% of winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Soon, fixed odds wagering will be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. We will be continuing to talk about fixed odds betting opportunities 
across the In The Money media network. Looking for, I, you better believe I'll take advantage of that. I'll also be down at the Haskell for NBC in a few weeks' time, sort of, what, mid-late July. Uh, I will certainly be dabbling in some fixed odds wagering. And last but not least, excuse me, our friends from TaylorMade. TaylorMade partnerships provide an unmatched entry and experience into both the racing and breeding side of the thoroughbred industry. Now you can be a part of top-level racing and breeding with all the rewards and less risk and cost. Medallion Racing has enjoyed great success through the years with 66% of starters running in graded stakes and 25% of those in grade ones. Last year, Medallion was fortunate enough to have an impressive four Breeders' Cup starters. Similarly, our bloodstock investments have discovered great value on the breeding side, Buying and selling such standouts is improbable, bast, cutting humor, and flame away, among others. Join us and experience the thrill with us, your family, at TaylorMade, TaylorMade Partnerships. Be sure to check them out. All right, let's talk about it. Eight horses, the Belmont Stakes, as of Monday afternoon. Go through them. There's still one piece of information, one product I use uh, that I won't get my hands on until Friday afternoon that could slightly tweak things a little bit. But as of Monday, this is how I'm looking at the race. Let me know what your thoughts are beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt, a mile and a half, Belmont Park. It's the grade one Belmont stakes. All right, 10 after five on Monday. Uh, I was beginning to record and then my buddy Nick Luck gave me a ring. So I had to stop that. Back here. Locked in. Belmont Stakes Saturday. We know Ethereal Road's not going to go. It looks like it's going to be a field of eight. Going a mile and a half at Belmont Park. We'll be on NBC. We've got two hours on NBC and I believe two or three hours on CNBC leading into that. Um, it's a race that at first I said to myself, well, there's no superstar. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad race. And more and more I look at it, only eight horses. It's really a fascinating handicapping puzzle simply because there are so many unknowns. How good are these horses? What does the pace scenario look like? How far is too far back for horses coming from off the pace? number of different things to factor in, including what you do with this horse. Rich Strike. Winner of the Kentucky Derby with a one-on-one buyer speed figure, not including the pace, a 119 time form U.S. rating. It was a... Uh, it made no sense when it happened, and it makes... Little since five weeks later, but I will say, you at least understand how it happened. The pace scenario was wicked, the ride was wicked, and the horse ran. That's the other thing that I think I've been most taken by over the past five weeks, is watching that tape as many times as I have. Yes, he had a good trip. I know he got bottled up a little bit there, you know, rounding the far turn, but and, and the ride was brilliant from Sonny Leone. But the horse ran. He finished in 24-4. and four. I mean, he cooked. So, I'm not going to take anything away from him. I said he should have been 300-1 to that day. I stand by that. He should have been 300-1 that day. He should not be 300-1 to in this race on Saturday. The question is, how short is too short? If you weren't there for the wedding, you know, do you want to be there for the divorce? That's entirely up to you. I think this is a field that is so wide open that it wouldn't stun me if any one of these horses won the Belmont. It really, truly wouldn't. Rich Strike, his first big problem is his lack of early foot, seeming lack of early foot. He's a horse that, as you can see, 
with some of the PPs. I mean, he has come from way out of it. Which is all well and good. But when the pace projects to be a little bit more on the moderate side, what are you going to do? You going to use a little bit early to get in there, figure a little more prominently, or you going to say, you know what, we know we've got a hellacious kick, let's just go on with it. Some other concerns for Rich Strike. A, the Derby is the only race that makes him a major threat in a race like this. B, and I think one of the more important things that I have started to think about is this element right here as I try to mark it up. He is two for two at Churchill Downs. And they're the two most impressive wins of his career. Granted, the figs are wildly different, but you've got the Kentucky Derby a win, and you've got that $30,000 maiden claiming race where he goes off and wins by 17 lengths. Again, figs in both could be wildly on opposite ends of the spectrum, a 101 compared to a 65. It's part of the reason he was 80 to one in the Derby. But if you take those two races out, the horse is 0 for 6 lifetime. He's not run fast. He's been beaten by a few good horses. You know, don't sleep on Tis the Bomb or Tawny Port. Certainly this guy, Epicenter. But the, the big question is, if you take those two Churchill races away, what do you have? You have the 80 to 1 horse in the Kentucky Derby. If you add the two Churchill races, one of them being significantly more important than the other, you have a horse that is, a, on paper anyway, on numbers, a viable contender in a race like this. But my bigger point is, his two wins have both come at Churchill Downs. He's been training wonderfully, it sounds like. And it sounds like even at Belmont Park, when he just goes out for his little cruises in the morning, he's looking really good. But my bigger, larger point is, and I don't know if it's come up a ton, have we stopped to consider the fact that he may love Churchill Downs? Now, I, I don't know if there's any truth to the what people have brought up from a handicapping standpoint in the past, the idea that Churchill's dirt, you know, for whatever reason, turf horses take to it a little bit more. I don't know if that's BS or not. Uh, but, I mean, it's worth noting, he debuted on grass. They ran him on, his new connections ran him on synthetic three times. You know, I don't know. His Keeneland race was terrible, and his Fairgrounds race was terrible. So, who knows? I made him 6-1. to one. You can see this piece up here, right next to his name. I made him 6-1 to one in this race. And, again, this is, these are thoughts and selections and, and fair odds on the win end before consulting one last product that I won't get until Friday. Rich Strike, I don't think is impossible, which I would not have said five weeks ago, before the Kentucky Derby, after the Kentucky Derby, any of that. I, I, I wouldn't have said that. Looking at this field, the way it has come together, there is no early voting, there's no epicenter, there's no Zandon. You know, there are some big names that have chosen to bypass. I don't think Rich Strike is impossible on Saturday. I'm not saying he's the most likely winner, but I don't think he's impossible. I know a lot of people like this horse, Mo Donegal. Understandably so. I've liked everything about him throughout his career. He looks like a true stayer, a distance type. You can see, though, 
Kentucky Derby, he had the pace that he needed, and he came with his run. Wasn't as good as Rich Strike's finish. He was very wide turning for home, but he ran. And he regressed from that wood according to Timeform US. But the buyer speed figures have him pairing up 96s. They're both career bests. Typically, I think that leads to a forward move. Heck, it happened even right here. He paired up 90s, and what happened? Bang. Moves up to a 96. It's one of my favorite handicapping angles. He defeated early voting in the Wood Memorial. Who came back to win the Preakness with a 105 buyer. It's a feather in his cap. He looks like he wants to run all day. I think arguably, if you're looking for a concern, A, first and foremost, the running style, has never shown any real early foot with the exception of this Remsen and according to Timeform US they were crawling out there they're not going to go that they're going to go slow on Saturday they're not going to go that slow two and this is maybe reaching but two of his three wins have come at Aqueduct the Wood Memorial and the Remsen by a neck and a nose now he ran into very good horses, early voting in Zandon. But the bigger thought, anyway, is that, okay, he's going to be a short price. I think he's going to be the favorite when all is said and done. I don't know if he will be in the morning line or not, but I think he'll be the favorite. Horse that is, on paper, not the fastest in the race. Doesn't have any early foot, which is probably going to put him kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. When he does win... He doesn't win by convincing margins. Uh, you know, and I suppose, although he has one at Belmont Park, is there a chance that he really just loves Aqueduct? I mean, if for a horse that could be as short as five to two, that's a lot to chew on. To me, and I think he is a live candidate. Absolutely. One of the, again, I, I think this is a field you throw it up you run 100 times, you're going to get many, many different outcomes. I made Mo Donegal 5-1, to one, but the thing about Mo Donegal I like most is this right here. This combination of Kentucky Derby to the Belmont, trained by that guy, Todd Pletcher. This, this is a Pletcher move through and through. I think he is known all along. This is a horse that likes distance. He's shown that he can handle Belmont Park. Broke his maiden there on one of our horse player happy hours. Could be ready to take another step forward. If you like this horse, I think the main reason to like him is that this is this is Todd's move. Derby ran well. Not well enough, but ran well. Give him some time. Comes back here in the Belmont. Going to take a little bit of money. Could move forward with the paired up buyer tops. There are some things to like, but I think he's going to be an underlay in the race in the big picture. We the people. I've seen a, a fair amount of folks acknowledge that he is controlling speed in this race. He does look like, anyway, on paper, like he should be the controlling speed. The only thing that I'd throw out there, let's start with the most recent run, the Peter Pan. It comes on a wet track. Goes out there, sets all things considered, and I had to write him in. It's actually, interestingly enough, an upline. Where the pace figs 
increase as the race goes on. Uncharacteristic. All things considered, these are pretty pedestrian fractions. And you'll note, I did it with the first two horses. I have a green sort of column set up. These are the pace numbers that I'm most interested in in terms of the Belmont. Because this will be as they're going into the far turn. I want to know, can you stay close to these kind of numbers? Now keep in mind, this is the horse that projects to be the controlling speed. He has a career best pace fig at this point of 117. To put it into perspective, now I know it's not a, a perfect apples to apples kind of thing, but you got to think, at, at least factor it in a little bit. Mo Donegal had a 120 at that point in the Kentucky Derby. They just went obscenely fast. Rich Strike had a 125 to a 120. I mean, so the notion that we the people is going to be, you know, five lengths clear of everyone else, he may be. But I think Pratt would have to be extremely aggressive with him. Now, we saw Pratt do that last year with Hot Rod Charlie, and it nearly worked against a much better horse than whatever he'll face here in this race in essential quality. But ask yourself this on a horse that's probably the second choice or vying for favoritism with the perceived pace advantage. Take that line out of the past performances. And what do you have? You have a good horse. The only time he was tested, he failed the test. Second lifetime start, walked on the front end. And when I say walked, pace figs on par with what we were just talking about with Mo Donegal in his Remsen. And in his career debut, a fine effort. But nothing that's going to put, you know, complete and utter fear into anyone. This 117, this this running line in the Peter Pan, I'm, I'm not disputing it. But always, always, always keep in mind, wet tracks can lead to extremely large margins of victory. Some horses take to it, others don't. When the pace is on the more pedestrian side, it can just exacerbate things. And for those of you that uh, are fans of the Tomlinson rating, the Tomlinson number, 437. I believe that's pretty large as far as a wet track is concerned. I'm not saying we the people can't win this race on Saturday, but he had everything go his way in the Peter Pan. And yes, maybe he will have everything go his way in the Belmont on Saturday. I just think he's going to be an underlay. I made him 6-1. to one. Creative Minister. I think there is some legitimate intrigue with this horse, but he feels kind of like the wise guy horse, aside from we the people. And we the people is not a wise guy horse. He, You understand, if people say he's lone speed, he's going to take money. Creative Minister has not taken a step back in any of his four starts. He continues to improve. You take a look and see from a running style standpoint, he's one that projects to be stalking the pace, especially if it is on the more pedestrian side. Let's say something in line with this running line here. That N1X at Churchill that sort of, you know, thrust him onto the scene. Granted, they're not going to go, you know, you're not going to see 103s and 108s, but probably not going to be much, much faster than that, I don't think. 
and he went off and won by almost three lengths that day. I think this horse makes a lot of sense. I just don't know how folks are going to bet him. And when I went back and watched the Preakness, he ran very well, especially for only his fourth lifetime start. He's a good horse. He's a he's certainly a horse that I think has promise. And maybe Saturday will genuinely be sort of a coming out party. I don't know. I thought, I thought his Preakness, he had a relatively comfortable trip. And he just couldn't run with the top two. Now, there's, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. Couldn't run with early voting or epicenter. They're probably the two best three-year-olds right now. But my fear is, and maybe he does go off in that sort of six-to-one range. I think he's probably somewhere closer to four-to-one, nine-to-two. But Creative Minister, I think, makes quite a bit of sense in a race like this. If you are looking outside of, let's call them, the three favorites, or, yeah, probably the three favorites. Rich Strike, Mo Donegal, We the People. Creative Minister and Rich Strike are probably in the same ballpark. Nine to two, four, five to one, somewhere thereabouts. Now, this filly is the one that I wanted to like. And I still do. I think she's got a chance. Nest goes out for Todd. On figs, she's not as fast as the best in this race. But it's not as though she's miles off. She's 10 points shy in the most recent race on the buyer scale from Rich Strike. Rich Strike, if we're being honest, though, from a fig standpoint, he and we the people, I suppose, are kind of the anomalies because no one else in this field is really even into the high 90s in their most recent run. I like her. I thought her Ashland was good, as you can see. The The field has been productive. The runner-up came back and earned an 84 buyer. Third-place finisher, Interstate Daydream. She came back and won the Black-Eyed Susan with a 91 buyer. The fifth and eighth-place finishers were next out winners with 77 and 74 buyers. And she finished two lengths behind Secret Oath, who came back and earned a 95 in the Preakness a couple weeks ago. I thought she had to wait a little while in the Oaks that day. But all things considered, I thought she had chances to get closer and she just finished evenly. Now, that makes a lot of sense for the Belmont, to me. The critical, critical question for Nest and the reason I, I, I don't think I'm picking her, or as of today, I'm not picking her, is these pace figs are extremely light with the exception of this Kentucky Oaks. If you take this 124 out of the equation, man, she's she is on par with Mo Donegal and Rich Strike. She's even probably a little bit behind Rich Strike to a degree. But if she can run this and be in sort of that creative minister position, I think she's at least got a puncher's chance. Because I think she's a proper grinder. She is she is gonna be that, you know. That filly or that horse that just kind of clicks off 24 and 2, you know, 24 and 4 toward the end of the run, maybe shades 25 and, and 4, 25 and 3 for that final quarter because she can just keep churning them out, churning them out. She's not brilliant. She was in the Ashland, but I, I just, my fear is that if she has to start her run with Mo Donegal or with Rich Strike, to this point right now, I don't know that she's shown that she's quite as good as them. If she can sit just off of We the People, though, and just start churning. I think a commissioner, who was also a Todd, 
That's what I want to see. Get out there and just churn. Use a little bit if you have to. But just churn, churn, churn. Because I think that's the best chance that she has of winning in a race like this. I made her 8-1. to one. Skippy Longstocking. Made him 10-1. to one. You do have some positives here. Now, he doesn't visit the winner's circle frequently. He's 2-for-10 lifetime. He finished 3rd behind Mo Donegal in early voting. Two starts back in the wood. Nothing to sneeze at. In the Preakness, he finishes a non-threatening 5th. But I still believe it was over a, a pretty speed-friendly racetrack. Timeform US had it as slightly speed-friendly. I, I think it's a little more than that. Finished behind Creative Minister. But this is an important piece right here. Take a look at his four most recent runs. Continues to improve. And if you ask yourself, if he runs a 94 or a 95 on Saturday, where does that put him? Probably not far out of it. I don't know if it's good enough to win, but probably not far out of it. But if he continues on the path that he has sort of laid the last four races, let's say he jumps up. Well, he's gone up three points in each of his last two runs. So let's just say for Haha's, he goes up to a 97. What do you think? Is he there? Might be. He'll probably be a, a big price, and deservedly so, but he may end up being a bit of... maybe a bit of an overlay in the grand scheme of things. I made him 10 to 1. I feel like that's fair. You run this race 100 times, I think he wins 9 of them. Based on the information I have right now, with one thing still left to come on Friday. Golden Glider, I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but I think he deserves to be the longest shot on the board. I do like that he's paired up by our tops of 87. I thought his Peter Pan was very even. I don't think he did a great deal of running. May not have liked the wet track. He's been on a wet track for each of his last three, or a track with moisture in it. I thought he ran just fine. But I don't know that I'm viewing him in terms of a very live long shot. I made him 25 to 1. He could certainly step forward. But boy, I think he's got a lot to find if he's going to really threaten for the win. I've gone through seven horses, and there's one left. And I did not come into this anticipating liking Barber Road. But I like Barber Road. First things first. The blinkers are coming off. Second thing, probably more importantly... And this is not a, a knock at all against Ray Lou Gutierrez, who I, I actually think has ridden him quite well every time. Joel Rosario picks up the mount. Depending on what you look at for your incremental splits, these are the numbers from Daily Racing Form's Formulator product. The final mile of the run in the Kentucky Derby five weeks ago the second quarter, he went 23-33. That was tied for the first fastest with Zandon. The third quarter, he went 24-25, the fourth fastest. The fourth quarter, he went 25-29, which was the fastest. And the fifth and final quarter, he went 25-39, which was the second fastest. Now, I say depending on which incremental figs you use because, or uh, excuse me, incremental splits, because Trackus has him much slower than what those ones would suggest. 
but still at least one of the, the swifter ones toward the end of the run. Yes, he had an unbelievable pace setup. But if you're looking at Barber Road versus Mo Donegal, Mo Donegal is probably going to be, I don't know, a fifth of the price of Barber Road. They were separated by about three quarters of a length. Mo Donegal, for the most part, until he swung 11 paths wide off the turn, saved every inch of ground. Barber Road was two, three paths for the most part throughout and was equally as wide, actually wider, and only finished about a length or so, three quarters of a length behind him. I like that the figs are slowly improving. I like that Joel takes them out. I like that he has a few instances in his past performances from a pace figure standpoint that would suggest he doesn't have to come from a hundred out of it. I'm not saying he's going to be pushing the lead, but my hope, we get a little bit of an equipment change. I don't know how I feel about that, good or bad. But with this guy right here, who has won the Belmont on a couple of occasions, I want running styles or a position on Saturday more similar to the Arkansas Derby, the Southwest. I know he didn't win either of those. But if those are the sort of pace figs that we're going to be looking at, I think he's in with a big chance because I do think he's a grinder. I think he will stay. And if for whatever reason he can get even closer to the front, which he hasn't really been afforded the opportunity to in four starts, I know that these were against far inferior. But look at these three races right here. When he is up on the lead or just off of it. Two wins and a runner-up finish by a half length. Again, I understand. They are different circumstances, slower paces, the fields weren't as good. All valid points. But I have a feeling... If he can stay close, within, I don't know, call it two to three lengths of a half in, I'm making it up, 48 and four, I think he's going to see out the distance. And I think Joel is as good as anyone at making the call at Belmont Park. If you'll recall, go back to the win on Sir Winston. He gets the horse in position when he needs to be in position. Yes, he was down on a golden rail. But the point is, the Belmont, so much of it in my eyes, is being in the right spot at the right time. And I think you need to be within a length or two, three max. I know there are instances that would suggest otherwise. I think you need to be within shouting distance of the lead as you enter the far turn. And Barber Road, I think, is just the kind of horse that's going to just clip off. Very similar to Nest, but at this point, I think Barber Road has been slightly better than Nest has. I made him 5-1. to one. I don't know what kind of price he's going to be on Saturday. I, I think Barber Road is, is very interesting in the Belmont Stakes. And I did not anticipate thinking that coming into this. Still have one thing that I want to take a look at on Friday. But as of Monday at 5.30... Likely to go with Barber Road to win the Belmont Stakes this year.
It's early, but that's my look anyway, how I'm viewing this year's Belmont Stakes. Um, you know, I, I think that's the thing for me. Just because it's not 20 horses or not 14 horses doesn't mean it's not an interesting race. There may not be Hall of Famers in there, but it, it's interesting to see how the whole thing is going to unfold. It's a dance. It's why it's my favorite race of the year. Year in and year out, the Belmont Stakes is my favorite race because I think there's more decision-making that goes into it. The Derby chaos can ensue just because there are so many horses. The Preakness, the Preakness we see, I think, a fair number of races similar to the Preakness. But the Belmont is such an anomaly. And the tactics are so important that it is my favorite year. It's part of the reason I like long-distance turf racing. It's my favorite race of the year, the Belmont Stakes. And no, there may not be 14 horses this year, or 16 horses, I think, is the max they can hold. Um, but I think it's just a really fun race. And let me know what your thoughts are about this year's Belmont beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. That's going to do it for this week's show, episode 118. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. Over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 117 prior. Rate, review, subscribe, bell icon lit up over on YouTube. Again, 4 o'clock Eastern on Thursday. We will have Horse Player Happy Hour, myself, PTF. I'm sure we'll talk about this race. And some of the other big races coming up on Saturday. We've got superstars that are going to be running this weekend at Belmont Park. And, I mean, look, I'm jacked up about it. I think it's going to be a great, great day of racing. And even two days, if you want to stretch it out to the Friday races. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be good. And again, CNBC from 3 to 5. NBC from 5 to 7 on Saturday. We'll have all the coverage from Belmont Park taken care of. Good luck. However you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play, we'll be back next Monday recapping everything that went on at Belmont this upcoming Saturday. This has been episode 118 of the Matt Burning Show.